The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. We're going to be reading from John 4, verses 16 through 26, and that can be found on page 1066 in these Bibles. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that this place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has come now, is now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. May God bless the reading of the word. Amen. Amen. The the title of this teaching is Jesus and the Woman, Part 2. So last week, if you were here, how many of you were here last week? You heard Paola talk about this particular teaching. This is my summary of everything that Paola said. Jesus should have never been talking to this woman, all right? Some of you think that, 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 that the humor of that is, is that, that Jesus really should not have ever just been hanging out with a woman at the well. There is layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer reasons why Jesus should have not spoken to this woman. And it was because the culture of that day had brainwashed people into thinking that some people were good and some people were bad. Some people were worth value. Other people were not worth value. Some people were considered those people. Some people were given names less than their name. For instance, let me just give you some brief U.S. history. Native Americans were referred to as what? To include, to give reasons for why they could be mass slaughtered. What were they referred to as? Savages. They were given a name less than their name, less than their name. Like they were no longer whatever the name would be. Like I've been given a name Ellis and that name gives me dignity and respect and humanity. But if somebody was to call me, oh, that pastor, now there's a lesser Standard, like people can now have a different type of persona about my worth and my value because I've been given a different name, right? And so throughout history, what people have done is devalue people by saying, you're a Samaritan. Not just somebody that is from a different ethnicity, but you have less value than I do. And in the first century, they had been programmed to think that women had no value, We have been still fighting for women's rights around the world and around the globe, even in the United States, looking and praying through wage disparities and and job disparities, as well as so many other things that are happening between men and women today. But in the first century, it was terrible to be a woman. You were at best 
the leading slave in the household. That was it. Very little education. Now Jesus, Jesus, the end of John, John chapter 20, here's the verse that we've been using each week to summarize where John is going with this letter. When I have it on a slide for you, I want you to read along with me. I believe we have it. We don't have it. We don't have it on a slide. So just ignore that. That doesn't count. Those, those seven seconds don't count. So in John 20, verses 30 through 31, John tells us why he wrote this letter. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which were not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus offered this woman life. Jesus offered a woman he should never have been talking to life. Jesus offered life to somebody in the culture that day was considered less human than other people. But as we begin to step into this today, I want you guys to understand that just like in the first century, people had labeled this woman less than. People in our culture today are programming your minds to think other people are less than. Let's be honest. It depends on which news network you watch determines who you think has value. I don't care which major network, each network is trying to represent something, and we've got to be careful. Each professor in your universities have biases. Each of the people in your workplace have things that they believe and they value, and some of those people try to impose those upon you. And we need to be honest that there is a movement in our culture, like every other culture throughout all of humanity, where people are trying to brainwash us or program us. But the thing is, is generally when you give your life to Jesus, somebody says, oh, you're getting brainwashed now. And the answer is, thank God. I am getting my mind renewed. Because up to the point of meeting Jesus, our minds are all messed up. We don't have a basis for truth. We don't even know what truth is until we get a chance to meet Jesus. So we are in a desperate situation for our minds to be renewed. We are needing to be under, we need to come to an understanding that the things that we're setting in front of us, whether it's the Netflix shows we're binging, the books we're reading, the Facebook people we're following, the podcast you're listening to, the people that you're giving voice to, they are programming you. I'm doing the same thing. I get a chance to talk to you about 40 to 45 times a year. For those of you that have good attendance, maybe 20 times a year, right? Um, but we get a chance to talk to each other, and I am an influencing voice in your life. And generally, in our time of prayer, prior to teaching, in the back room before we teach, is, Father, would you let your spirit do the teaching? I want what I say to you to not be the cultural norm of our day. I want it to come as a divine door of heaven being open. We get a glimpse of the way that our minds should think in the actions that we should be doing. And in this particular passage of scripture, what Jesus has done for this woman, what the gospel of Jesus is doing is to administer a hard reset, to restart the brain, the moral sensibility into working properly for the first time. This woman is getting a chance for the first time, to be talked to with dignity by a Jewish man. But more importantly, Jesus has the power to just touch her and reset everything. 
so that she can begin to have a different aspect to the way she views life and begins to see. You can see when we bring our lives to Jesus like this woman has, the inside and the outside of this woman to Jesus, she, like us, can start to see clearly. Often what happens when you touch a nerve, people try to change the subject, right? Let's be honest, think about your roommates, your relationships, the people around you. When somebody steps on something that's really near and dear to you, the defense mechanisms go up. Some of you, like me, when you're attacked, you attack back. My defense mechanism is, oh, that hurt, let me hurt you back. Anybody else like that? I don't want to be, by, come on, don't leave me by myself, all right? I know others, I've talked to some of you, I know what it's like, all right? I, you have hurt me too, right? So when we, when we step into these moments, we need to understand that when, when the truth of Jesus comes around us, many times you're going to feel an ouch. You're going to be like, whoa, that hit a nerve. That's another phrase, a colloquialism that we use to talk about this. It's the same thing with this woman in this particular passage. Intrigued by Jesus's offer for living water, she says, yes, tell me about it. Jesus starts to tell her about it and then begins to talk about the things happening and she realizes that if she takes in the living water, all the stagnant lies and brokenness and the things that she normally drinks must go. You can't have living water coming into you and the water that you're used to drinking in there at the same time. And so this woman is beginning to see this and Jesus saw right through it, just like he did in chapter one when he met Nathaniel under the tree. We need to see this. John is giving us redundant opportunity after opportunity to see that there is nobody that Jesus meets, male or female, Jew or Samaritan, that he can't see clearly. Everybody he sees clearly. And the woman um, has had a life composed of one emotional problem after another. She has had multiple husbands. And imagine the gossip around this woman in the area where she lives. What has she had to deal with? The thing is, is that we know nothing about what she's experienced other than the fact that she's had five husbands. We don't know if, if any of them have died. We don't know if she's been given legal, a formal or informal divorce. We don't know any of that. It's all left, for mystery, left open for mystery for you and I. We can make some assumptions based upon that Jesus said, well, the man you're with now isn't your husband, but I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that this woman may be sinning or people may have sinned against her, but that's the story of all of us. We all sin We've all been sinned against. Narrative. Some of us in here, the deepest wounds that we've had in life are because of choices we've made. Others of us, the deepest wounds in our life are because of choices others have made. But we're all wounded. And so Jesus finds this woman and begins to show her how he sees her. And she knew her life was in a mess and she knew that Jesus knew. I think it's really important that we get this in the story. There's not a person sitting in a chair in this room right now that is not aware of the fact that there's things going on in your life and you think that only you know, but Jesus knows it all. And so when we begin to look at this, what does she do? It's a classic example of what you do to a pastor. When you put your finger in the middle of something, you talk about religion. So what does she say? Well, I know that you Jews think your mountain's holy, our mountain's holy. 
So there's kind of like a religious debate, almost like as if some people are in here thinking, well, is Christianity the answer or is Hinduism the answer? Is Buddhism the answer? Is, is the Muslim community have truth? And so people will end up having conversations about truth. And so what we, what we do to make it so it's not personal, we're like, well, I'll just wait and figure it out at some point. But right now, I, I don't really want to speak to who might have it or who doesn't. It's the same thing that this Samaritan woman does. She begins to talk about religion and where she grew up. And some of you have said things to me like, well, my mom was Catholic and my dad was Protestant, so I'm a mess. Others of you have said things like, well, I kind of grew up Methodist and then I went to a Baptist youth club and then I got so confused when we moved and I didn't know anybody, I just stopped going. And so this Samaritan woman is using 2,000-year-old excuses just like we are. And by the way, this woman is very smart and she's very strong. This woman is very smart and very strong. So you strong ladies here in the room that I want you, you know who you are. You're the ones that when I say strong women and very smart women, you don't know what to do with it because you don't know if I'm being demeaning to you or whatever. But I'm just telling you, Jesus was looking at a woman that had been through life, but yet could still stand up. She was educated to know religious practice of her people and the argument about which mountain was more holy. She could have an educated conversation with Jesus about all of that. So when Jesus began to talk to her about this, thinking about mountains or whatever, the implication is, is that you can't both be right. Excuse me. We can't both be right. Maybe nobody knows. Maybe nothing is that certain. And maybe the morality um, we were taught is equally uncertain. So this woman is having this, ar- this argument with Jesus about, well, who really knows? Are you right? Is my people right? I wish we could know. So why don't we just let me get my water and leave the well? That's kind of the tone that I'm hearing in this. But they're all excuses because they're irrelevant because what Jesus has come to do in John's gospel is that God isn't the church building. God's not a holy mountain. God isn't a geographical piece of land. We see that in Solomon's prayer commissioning over the temple saying that the heavens were too big to contain God, so why would we think we could build a building to contain him? And so now Jesus is now coming into a conversation with a woman that has been culturally and religiously programmed to think that God inhabits just holy spaces. And now she's sitting with the one that's about ready to make a big revelation to her that God isn't just tied to geography. In fact, Jesus is letting this woman know that the point of Jesus's mission is to bring the life of heaven to earth. Like God himself is now sitting there getting ready to birth something new in this woman and letting her know that no matter where she went, God was with her. No matter where she went, this strong and educated and powerful woman could be a well of spring water, fresh water to other people. And he's introducing that to her at this time. And when you and I make a room like this a a holy, sacred space and we lose sight of God, it's called idolatry, by the way. Anytime you and I take something that isn't God and give it holiness, it's idolatry. And so we might have a building that we like to worship in, but that's not the inhabitants of God. We are the inhabitants. And Jesus is emphasizing this to her. And now I'm realizing that I'm way past my eight minutes. I can't do it. All right. 
So all of this is too much for the woman. I heard that, Jen. (laughs) She wouldn't, she wouldn't, she certainly wouldn't have enjoyed Jesus reaffirming that salvation comes from the Jews. Imagine, I just want you to hear, Jesus told her that the salvation that was coming her was coming through the Jews. We can't ignore that. That was powerful, cultural breaking down of our people have been right, your people have been wrong, but Jesus is saying to them, you both have been wrong, but it's actually coming, because I'm a Jewish man, it's coming through these people to you. And it's just a fact. It's not meant to demean you. It's not meant to destroy you or to say anything. I'm just coming in love to show you truth. And so one day she says, well, one day the Messiah will come, and, um, but we'll wait until then to figure it out. That's how she wants to end the argument. Could you see this? Have you ever been around somebody you're trying to figure out how to end the conversation, want to get away from them? Some of you are like, yeah, last time you were here, Ellis, I experienced that. Um, But this woman is tired of the intellectual bantering, and she basically just says, well, both of us agree on one thing, there is a Messiah coming. And when that Messiah comes, we'll sort it out then. And I want you guys to see what Jesus does here. It's me. This is what he says to her. It's me. So what Jesus was saying was, don't walk away. (laughs) The conversation's not over. We got a little bit more sorting out to do because what what you were hoping for so that it could all get cleared up is now. And because it's now, I'm going to make sure that you're aware before you leave so that when you go, you can set other people's thoughts free. And there's so much about what she's done here, but whenever people come around to the key question, if only somebody would come and sort it all out. Have any of you ever felt that way? Have any of you ever been in a moment of frustration or discouragement or in your faith with the fears and the doubts and all the things that our culture around us that is saying about what we should believe and not believe and, and what does the Bible actually say and what is real Christianity and what does Jesus really do and all this kind of it's, There's just so much stuff that you're just like, man, I just wish that somebody would come and just sort it all out. And I want you to know he has. He has. We can know for sure how to live, breathe, and live and breathe and move about in this world because Jesus has said it's me. Jesus is waiting to do what he does best for everybody. He's waiting for us to just sit down and lock eyes on him and then just to establish truth in us. He's waiting to do that. So today, I just want to ask you guys, Are you in need of things being cleared up? Are you confused about things spiritually? Are you wondering if you're pursuing the right religion? Are you wondering if there really is truth out there? Are you looking for some mystery or something to be cleared up? Has the cultural practices of this time swept you away? Are you inundated by other people that are brainwashing you to think, and Jesus isn't the one reprogramming and renewing your mind? He's actually wanting to set your mind to the way God intended it to be. And so Jesus is here working to renew our minds. So how many of us in here today would be like, you know what, I feel like the culture is sweeping me away. 
Do you need the truth to set you free? Do you need the life-giving renewal that Jesus provided to this woman? Is that you today? And if it is, this is a simple prayer. You can just say this, Jesus, I need you. I believe you can set me free. I believe you can save me. I believe you can help me think right because I'm confident that you know me. And I want to know you. All we have to do is just be honest with him and invite him in. And he does this miracle renewing work of what's called salvation. It's good news. It's called a gospel in the Greek, which means good news. John, in his letter, is telling people good news. He's telling people that have been labeled less than that Jesus will talk to you. He will take the people in our culture that are the weakest and build them up by saying, let me renew your mind. If any of those questions resonated with you, did you pray that prayer? Are you wanting to pray that prayer? Let's just take a moment right now to do that. Jesus, I know you know me. And I believe you can set me free. I believe that you can provide truth because you are truth. Some of you today might need your prayer to be, Father, I just need a way of filtering out this culture so it doesn't reprogram my mind. I want my mind to stay on what's true and right and noble and just. We're getting ready to come to the Lord's table, and it's a great reminder of what life is like, how much Jesus loved us and how much we're supposed to love others. This is a loving God and loving others' table. His body broken for us, his blood poured out for us, so that you and I can go and be like Christ to other people where we can have our bodies broken and our blood poured out for them. So as we come to this table, let's come saying these words to one another, reminding each other what is true. Jesus paid it all, and all to him we owe. Father, right now I ask that you would do something special in us. Speak, Lord, we pray. Guide us, Lord, we pray. Help us to see, Lord. Help us to hear, Lord. Help us to be able to silence the voices that are trying to brainwash us from truth. Father, help us to see people like Jesus saw people, people that have been labeled less than. Would we see them as the name that they've been given, the son and the daughter of a most high God? So, Father, whatever skin tone, economic, language, whatever, Lord, would we be a people that loves like Jesus, gives dignity and life and wisdom and truth and power to people that others have said no to, but we can say yes to. So, Lord, help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.